0: Our church, ICF Zurich, is celebrating its 20 years anniversary this year. And during that time, we never had a permanent home. Through the growth of our church and external factors, we always had to move location from one place to another. But this time is soon coming to an end. We are coming home. And we are so looking forward to this new chapter that we are living as a church. This new building will give us great facilities for our celebrations. Great room for community, ICF college courses, and amazing room for our kids and youth facilities. If you wanna be part of this project, if you wanna get some information on this project called Coming Home, and maybe you wanna support it financially, then please go to our website. You will get all the information there. Thank you so much for your support. Bungee Jump ist nichts, heute gehen wir bergsteigen. Ich war doch schon auf einigen Bergtouren, doch jede neue Tour fordert von einem extrem viel Mut, denn du weißt nie genau, was dich erwartet. Doch, wollt ihr ein Geheimnis wissen? Den Mut hole ich mir von da oben. Wow, you make me brave. What a great series. And uh, what a privilege to be able to continue in this series. And we are looking at different people um, from the Bible and uh, look at their lives and how they showed. Uh, bravery in their decisions and everything they've been doing uh, my iPad just died all good so today we are talking about one of these Old Testament heroes one of my favorite person from the Old Testament his name is Joseph and his story fills about one third of the first book of the Bible Genesis and there's so much in this story to learn from and uh, But before I talk about Joseph, let me say some words about Monica. Do you know Monica? No. You should. You know, in Switzerland, over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing a very important topic. The question was, is it okay for the president of the board of our swiss national railway SBB is it okay for her to park her name is monica ribar is it okay for her to park her maserati her maserati on a free company car park near the train station of rüschlikon there was a picture in the newspapers. Such privileged barking space is the new abbreviation for SBB. And so there was in Blick and, and all, all of these papers, um, there was this article, and hundreds of people made comment. Every Swiss people had an opinion whether this was okay or not. And they they even discussed, high up to the politics in Bern, if that was okay for her to have this company parking space at the train station of Rüschlikon to park her Maserati. And you know, the young socialists, the Yuso, they even made a demonstration there and they had like these signs. And they said, here is a fat cat park. Parking, a fat cat. Ein Bonze, a fat cat. And uh, away with all the privileges and, you know, all that stuff. And I was just thinking to myself, well, I mean, probably we don't have too many problems in Switzerland. (laughs) It seems like. It seems that there's so much uh, jealousy, there's so much distrust, and there's this, you know, like this sweeping suspicion that people who are in position or have maybe some privileges some status misuse it for their own purposes it's like and there was like this we are the poor guys working poor and they are the privileged managers who do whatever they want and they can do whatever they want in our country and so people were discussing that on and on and on and uh, it was actually it was a bit sad Uh, To look at this discussion because it showed that there's a big gap between these uh, Different groups with different status and maybe you ask yourself now What does this story has to do with the story of Joseph? The thing is that when we start into the story of Joseph We start with a scandal and a scandal that has to do with privileges and status Let me take you to Genesis 37, it's right at the beginning of the story of Joseph. So that's where the story begins. So we are in the introduction to the story. In the second verse, we read there, here is the story of Jacob. Joseph was a young man. He was 70 70 years old. He was taking care of the flocks with some of his brothers. They were the sons of Bilah and sons of Zippah, his father's wives, Joseph brought their father a bad report about them. It's really mean about about Joseph. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Joseph had been born to him when he was old. And he was born to his favorite wife, Rachel. And it says here, Israel made him a beautiful robe. Some translations say a colorful robe. And, I mean, the behavior of Jacob, of course, um, is is shocking and shows very bad education skills. But this is the topic for another message. You know, I have some little kids, so I'm not here to give you some advice on educating your kids because I'm still learning by doing. So uh, I won't talk to you about education And what Jacob did right or wrong. But one thing is that this robe um, really triggered something uh, in this story. And so I decided to look a little bit closer to this robe or to this coat. Because you need to understand that in that time, the brothers, they were uh, tending sheep. So they were shepherds. And shepherds, they had shepherd's coat. That was just normal. And I have a shepherd... This morning, uh, it's not morning anymore. So I have a, a shepherd. You see a beautiful shepherd in a beautiful coat. So when we, when we think about the brothers of Joseph and Joseph himself, like the Bible says that Joseph was helping them tending the sheep, so he must have had a robe like this. And the characteristics of this, of this coat was it was about knee length. It had short sleeves. And you could bind it here um, with a belt. Why? Because this was a functional coat. It was here to do some physical work. Because when you're tending the sheep, you need to be able to move in your coat. So maybe you can now take this sheep here, down here. There's a sheep here. There's a sheep here. There's a sheep right. There's a sheep left. You see? So it's a functional coat. So everyone had a coat like this. And even Joseph must have had a coat like this now we read here in the bible that jacob his father gave him a beautiful robe so let's have joseph coming with his beautiful robe if you go into the original uh, text you can read that actually this was talking about this kind of robe it was a robe that was for princes or kings it was for people with a higher status and the thing when it comes to this coat was, the characteristic was, the coat was length to the ankles and it had long sleeves and you couldn't, you, you didn't have a belt, so you, you had it open like this. And of course, this robe was not really made for physical work. And a prince is not usually the one who is tending the sheep, he is the one who is looking after the people who are tending the sheep. So, When we look at that and when we go into a commentary, we see that this robe was the most noticeable characteristics of social status. That's how, in the time of the Old Testament, you showed your social status was on the coat you were wearing. Now, let's take that in our time, in the 21st century. How would that look like? So we have on this side the shepherd's coat. So that would be the blue collar, the worker, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's doing some hard work. And that's why he has, you know, that's not really for, uh, it doesn't really have to be beautiful. It's just functional because you need to be able to work and maybe you get a bit dirty or whatever. But you need to be able to move to have your, your tools in your, in your pockets, whatever. So that's, that, that would be the shepherd's code. And, and this would be the rope. So that's the manager, you know, that's the guy who is uh, he's just checking his, uh, his stock exchange. He's just uh, doing some very important calls to, to China and Singapore. And, 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 you know, the thing is that there's a tension happening between these two groups. You can imagine that from the day where the brothers realized that Joseph got his coat, they just knew this guy will never come back to the field to help us because he has now a higher status. And how often, I mean, we see it in the story of Monica Rebar, how often do we have these two different status groups that are kind of um, jealous about each other, and, and this guy th- thinks he's the only one who is working, and this guy is just sitting on a desk, and he's just uh, doing whatever, but he's not doing anything, and this guy thinks, yeah, I mean, he has no clue, and uh, if I'm not the one taking the big decisions, everything will, will, will go down, you know? Thank you very much for, uh, for your help on this illustration. Yes, let's give these, these people a hand. So we have here this, this classical clash between the blue collar and the white collar. And the interesting thing in this story is it was actually prophetic that Jacob gave Joseph this robe. Because if we fast forward a couple of chapters, we find Joseph exactly in this position and i don't think that jacob had realized that i mean that was bad parenting happening right there and again i won't be talking about bad parenting but if we take the bigger picture we we see that actually joseph had a prophetic sign giving him this robe because if we go into genesis 41 and this is 13 years later so it's 13 years later Joseph now is 30. And we read here, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring. So that was to do a signature. That's where this word is coming. So you had the signature on the signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph. So that talks of great authority. So Joseph was number two in Egypt. That was major. He was the man taking all the big decisions uh, in behalf of the Pharaoh. And then we see he dressed him in robes of fine linen. There we are again. So we see he gets this robe because this is the status. It's the status thing. He gets this special robe. And then put a gold chain around his neck. So there was bling bling happening right there in Egypt. And now, he had him ride in a chariot at his second in command. He got a company car. And in some translation, it says it's a a, a two-seater, this car. So it was like, probably it was red. When you go into the original Hebrew, it was red. And it had horses in front of it. That's a Ferrari. (laughs) Man, I just got a revelation right there. That's the first Ferrari in the world. Make way. And he said, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. You know, we see that we very easily can get judgmental about people that have maybe a status or success. Or economic power that is not ours and so we look at people like Monika Ribar uh, she's a board of one of the biggest companies in Switzerland and I don't know maybe if you have read that in the newspaper I don't know what your thoughts were about her but now let's 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 think a moment Joseph he's one of ours Imagine Joseph will sit right here in the middle of this congregation. He was a man after God's heart. And God had gave him favor. We read that through the whole story. God had gave him favor. And through this favor, he got authority. Through this authority, he got some status. And he got economic power. He had a company car. He had gold around his neck. He had the fine linen robes and he was man of god and the question for me this afternoon is how do we go about with people in our midst that have the favor of god and this favor of god gives them great wealth do these people feel comfortable in our midst or do they feel that people are judging them and thinking well Why does he really have to drive this Ferrari? He could spend this money for the poor kids in Africa. You know, the gift of poverty is not spiritually more valuable than the gift of overflow. But somehow through church history, people who are poor, Who are imprisoned. We have them on our prayer requests. But do we also have the people in power. With influence. And maybe. Economic power. Do we understand that they need our prayers. As much as these people need our prayers. They don't need us to judge them. And I would hate it. I must say. I would hate it. If in our church people had to apologize for their success. Because I believe that God is using all kinds of people. And there's seasons in your life. There's seasons where you have much, there's seasons where you have less. In all of them, let's keep focus on what God is doing. And and let's keep cheering each other on and not tearing each other down. Like, you know, tall poppy syndrome. As soon as someone is a bit high up, cut their head so everyone is, is the same again. I don't believe in that. And definitely in the Bible, you find lots of people who through the favor of God gained great riches. The question is now, how do they handle This favor of God. And for the next couple of minutes, let's look at three points where I believe we can learn from Joseph the way he handled the favor of God. And just as a side, I'm not saying this afternoon that the favor of God always shows through economic wealth and through money. I mean, the favor of God is a gift that he has given you. Maybe you have some capacities that someone else doesn't have. And through that, there's something unique on you. And God has given you great success maybe in one area of this life. So I'm not just talking about riches. Understand me right. But in this story, definitely Joseph got rich. But he did something with his favor. And let's look at that. So the first thing we can learn from Joseph is he had great humility. And, you know, humility doesn't mean I can do nothing. Humility means God can do everything. That's a difference. So real humility, real humility means that I never forget where I'm coming from. And I never forget who is granting me favor. That's humility. So, humility is not like uh, telling people, oh, it was not me, you know, uh, uh, that's not really my car. I'm just, uh, you know, it's, I don't really deserve it, but it's just, it, uh, just it, I just found it in front of my house. No, humility is to understand God is the one granting me favor. And I know where I'm coming from. And how can I take that from the story of of Joseph? You know, when Joseph uh, was in Egypt, um, he became father of two sons. And I think if we go and look at the meaning of the names of his sons. And you know, in the Bible, the names had very strong meaning. And you didn't give names just like by accident. Uh, if you look at the names of the two sons, and especially you look at um, in what order he got these two sons, it says a lot about his character. His first child, or his firstborn son, I must say, is called Manasseh. And Manasseh uh, comes from the Hebrew nasha, uh, uh, and uh, this means forget. So the name Manasseh means God made me forget. Now, what does that mean? As I told you, Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He spent 13 long years with lots of downs and some ups. Two of these 13 years he spent in prison without doing anything wrong, just because he kept faithful uh, when the wife of Potiphar tried to go to bed to him, uh, he, he went to prison. 13 long years. And you know, I think if there's one person in the Bible who could have become bitter or um, just seek for revenge when it comes to his family, I think Joseph would be a great candidate. But you know what? Joseph decided to give birth to a Manasseh. He decided to let God help him forget and you know what joseph didn't forget in the sense of god just erased his memory because further down in the story we see joseph talking with his brothers and he tells them the whole story so he didn't actually forget but what he did is he let god take the sting from his memory you know, there's a sting in a memory that can make you bitter if you keep it there. And what, what Joseph understood is I need to have the help of God to take this sting from my memory. And if you do this, you get ready for the second son. Because his second son was called Ephraim. And Ephraim means God gave me double blessing. How great is that? I think that's not by accident. You know why? Because this is a very deep spiritual truth. If you forgive, you let go, and you get ready for the next thing that God wants to bring into your life. If you hold on to bitterness, if you hold on to disappointment, if you hold on to all these things, and you're not giving birth to a Manasseh, you will never be ready to give birth to an Ephraim. Never. And I love that in this story, that Joseph had the courage to humility. His both sons were were speaking from this truth that God, whether he was low or he was high, God was the one who gave him everything he had. And, you know, when we read later on, Paul in the New Testament says exactly the same. You know, lots of people of God, they don't have just like this streamlined story where everything is like, "hoo hoo And we read this very well-known verse in Philippians. And usually when we uh, send each other this verse and we quote this verse, we, we just quote the last part. We quote, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's an amazing verse because you can always quote that. When you go into an exam or you go into, uh, into holidays with your, with your mother-in-law. <laughs> I can do all things. But it was just a joke. I love my mother-in-law. But she's not here tonight. Hopefully. Philippians 4. Let's start at verse 12 because that's the context i know what is what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty hey that's paul talking so paul he knew both i have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's the context. And that's exactly that. That's showing humility that there's time where you need to give birth to a manasseh. 13 years is a long time. Imagine. Two years in prison. It's crazy. But he decided to give birth to a manasseh. And then he got ready. For an Ephraim. But that time, he was grounded. He knew where this Ephraim was coming from. It was coming from the same Lord who helped him through these 13 years. And you know, this afternoon, I want to challenge you. Maybe you're here and and you feel that your life is kind of spinning around. And maybe your dreams are not coming to pass. and, and, And you feel that there's no breakthrough. Hey, my friend, maybe it's your time to give birth to a Manasseh tonight. Maybe you need someone to help you to take this sting out of your memory so you can be free for whatever God wants to do in your life. You know, there's no spiritual shortcuts. There are things that are just the way they are. And if we are not letting go, you know, forgiving means I let go. And so I'm ready to move on. So the first thing that we said, uh, we've seen is that Joseph showed great um, uh, humility The second thing that we can learn from the life of Joseph is that he showed great integrity. You need to know that Joseph, uh, he was immersed into one of the most corrupt societies of that time. So Egypt really was not an easy place to be because the temptations to throw overboard your your beliefs, your your ethics, uh, your moral values was like everywhere and you know if it would have been easy for Joseph just to throw everything overboard to try to get a shortcut to some places uh, high above but if Joseph had done that we would never have heard anything about him again and what we learn from the life of Joseph is that integrity uh, is a non-negotiable because integrity causes trust Trust leads to authority. That's the way it works. And it's not by accident that Joseph, after 13 years, became number two in Egypt and got all this stuff and all this responsibility. It's because he showed integrity. And integrity is something where where trust and then success can grow on. You know, I read an article a couple of weeks ago about a guy from China An economist and atheist his name is uh, Peter uh, Zhao and this guy he was like high up like like an elite economist um, and uh, he got asked by the Chinese um, uh, parliament like the Chinese uh, government to investigate why America or why in the Western world the economics were more successful than in China so they asked him as an 80s, to go to America and to do a survey and to find out what are the keys of success that the, the, the Western market economy is working better than uh, in the East. And so he went to America for seven months and he made all this field research and whatever he did, like he probably talked with lots of people and, 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 and looked at companies and uh, at markets and so on. And then he came back after seven months. And you know what? His result, in a nutshell, of course, it's probably five books. But in a nutshell, he said the following. What makes the American economy more successful is the combination of market economy and churches. These two things. He said, market economy is important because it fights idleness. Market economy. But on the other side, a market economy without a common set of values. And he found that Christian, Christian values, Christian ethics was the breeding ground where people could start trusting each other. And through trust, there's successful long-term relationship happening. And so he came back to China and said, and I have a quote from him. He says, is it not integrity that you are pursuing? Then you ought to know places with faith have more integrity for China's crawling economic reforms. These ought to be an important inspiration. You can imagine that his findings, they didn't really like it in China. And he had to go out of the country, eventually he become a Christian because he just... I mean, for him, it was so clear. Like as an atheist, he saw that and he, he thought, that, that's it. We need this common set of values. We need something that is bigger than ourselves. Because if everything that you're doing is just building on yourself, then there's really nothing left. And so he came back. He said that. And now he's living in America and he needs some, uh, some serious protection, this guy. Because, you know, like he was about to change something on the very basis of this country of China. So what it says here is that integrity is the foundation of success, is the foundation of trust. And, you know, it makes me sad sometimes to hear that, that even Christians sometimes think that they need to, to twist a little bit on the integrity to get maybe a bit f- the fast track to success. And, you know, in the short term, it can look like it. When we look at the life of Joseph, we can say in the, sh- in the short term, it did, didn't really work with this integrity thing. Because he could have slept with his wife and then, you know. But he didn't do it. And this caused him much trouble. But at the end of the day, I believe this was this was the reason for his success. Because he didn't compromise on this. So we see integrity is something that we can learn from Joseph. And the last thing that we, that we learn from Joseph is... Responsibility. You know, when God grants favor in whatever area it is, it's never for you only. You are blessed to be a blessing always. Great favor, with great favor comes great responsibility. And we see that in the life of Joseph. I mean, when we go into Genesis 41, we see that there was this seven years of famine. In this time, Joseph, with his strategic thinking and his position, he made plans to fill up all the barns, and then during seven years, Joseph became a savior, a type of Christ, We read it in verse 56. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world, not just Egypt, but all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Because the famine was severe everywhere. So we see through Joseph, people got saved. Because he he understood that his position was not here for him just to enjoy. His two seat ride with the horses in front and red and, and his gold and his coat. And you know, he could have just, well, I made it. I'm the master of the world. But at the end of the day, the salvation history continued because of Joseph. At the end of this story all his family comes down to Egypt and gets saved throughout this famine and throughout Judah one of his brothers then eventually David and Jesus was born so we see that there's a big responsibility that is coming with favor and I hope you understand tonight that if God has given you gifts if God has given you business success and with that economic success it always comes with responsibility to use it for God's purposes. And so we read at the end of the story of Joseph in Genesis 50:20, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives." You know, at the end of the day, this is every man's, every woman's purpose. It's the saving many lives and this comes in so many different colors but each and every one of us has a place to play in this saving history and so we can learn from Joseph that through great humility, integrity and then understanding his responsibility he made a huge difference throughout this story and I want to challenge you tonight. I don't know what your, your position is at the moment. Maybe you, you need to give birth to a Manasseh first. Maybe there's stuff happening in your life. Maybe you have been betrayed. Maybe you have, you have used your integrity and it came back on you. Like Joseph. And I want to encourage you not to become bitter. But to ask God to take this thing out of your memory. To make you ready to give birth to an Ephraim, because I believe this is this is God's purpose for each and every one of us, is that we can give birth to Ephraims, and not Ephraims just for us, but because the world needs Josephs who understand that they have been blessed to be a blessing. And you know, in our church, I'm. Um, When it comes to to the giving, I'm I'm just overwhelmed to see how much, how many people are just sowing into the vision of our church. When it comes to the coming home campaign, I mean, it's amazing to see what is being accomplished through this group of people. I love that. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a group of people in our church. They know that on their life, there's a mandate to sow even more. Because they see that they're financial leaders in the kingdom of God. And for these people, we have a ministry. It's called Club 100. Why is it called? Or it was called Club 100. It's now called ICF Reach Beyond. The vision is the same. We believe that there's 100 people or 100 families in our church that are able and willing to give 5,000 Swiss francs over and above their tithing towards our reach campaign that we'll have every year. This year it's included in the in the coming home. But next year, we will continue doing church planting, doing social work. You know, Samsung Hall is not just, oh, now we arrived, you know, let's have church and enjoy church. No, we will continue reaching out to the unsaved. We will continue doing musicals. We will continue planting churches in places where there's no churches. Why? Because we believe we've been blessed to be a blessing. And there's people, they know i have been placed here with some extra money and i have maybe you have gifts to multiply this money and we will give you the opportunity to sow it into the kingdom so if you're interested in this icf reach beyond we'll have an information session in december you can leave your name at the welcome uh, the welcome desk there's there's a, a list there we can write down your email and i'll send you information um, so that we, we have all kinds of possibility. If you have a gift for singing, there's possibility to, to bless others in using it here. You know, like this. I just want to challenge you. It's not just about money. It's really about how to sow the things that God grants us through His favor to advance His kingdom. And I want to encourage and challenge you tonight to think about that and take some steps towards it to make to see people saved. Because that's at the end of the day what it's all about let's pray Lord Jesus I thank you for the life of Joseph I thank you for this great inspirational man this man who who is just so focused on what you of you what you are accomplishing through his life I thank you Lord Jesus that you're the one granting favor you're the one that has a vision for each and every one of us And especially tonight, I want to pray for people who who just feel that they need to give birth to a Manasseh. Who maybe, there's still stuff in their lives where they haven't forgiven, they haven't let go. And I pray that tonight can be a night where this sting can be removed. This sting can be removed in the name of Jesus. So we can run free and give birth to an Ephraim. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you say in your words that who experience freedom through Jesus is really free. And I want to see that tonight, that you can set free. That you can break the chains of the past. And you can make us ready for, for your favor and for the blessing that is flowing through others. And Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to be humble, the courage to, to be in, in tigre and, and also to, to see responsibility in our life. I thank you, Lord, that you will use each and every one of us to make a big difference on this planet and to see people change and people saved and people added to your kingdom in the name of Jesus.